Inside Improv with Stacy Halal, Joe Bill, Elise Rodriguez, and special guest Finia Bordali. another Friday and I don't know why the weeks usually fly by but this week feels like it's been forever since last Friday uh, so welcome to Inside Improv I'm very excited about our guest for today but first let's bring on our regulars my co-hosts uh, first we'll bring up uh, Joe Bill hi Joe how are you hi Stacy I think it seemed longer because the last one we did was two Fridays oh, ago. Oh, that's why. We, right, we, took, <laughs> <I> <laughs> we took off the 4th of July. We did. Yeah. So, How was your 4th of July? It was fine. I We went and swam in a river with our friends and our dogs. Uh, so that was amazing on Saturday. And then Sunday is the uh, Portland annual citywide improv slosh ball event. What? Oh. So slosh ball is kickball, but everyone holds uh, uh you have to hold a beer in your or beverage. Doesn't have to be beer uh, if you're not drinking, but you hold a that's why it's called slosh ball. Slosh ball. I love yeah. it. Who did did somebody win or are there winners and losers? I, you know, event? I left before. Usually they have two there's two fields where we gather and there's usually the non-competitive casual game and then the competitive game. And this year, everybody played the competitive game. Well, there were some of us in the casual game, but we were so casual, we never played the game. We just wanted to talk and catch up and <laughs> see each other. So, I mean, it was the first time seeing a lot of people in person post-pandemic. So that was really lovely. Yeah, Shout out amazing. to Matt Tomonaga, who makes that happen. And there's a guac-off as well. Uh, so everybody brings, or not everybody, but a handful of people bring different guacamoles and then they have to present them uh and so there's some beautiful presentations of their guacamole and then we vote on a, a winner i love it i will come to portland next year for that yeah you the <laughs> winner had a pineapple it was actually like a relish she had made for a pork roast and then she just took that relish what? mixed in some avocado and it was delicious wow and the was pineapple it, Pineapple made it like stay bright green because of the citric acid in there. Cool. Yeah. I love it. That sounds amazing. Well, happy fourth and um, and happy this Friday. How was your fourth? <laughs> it was, um, you know, Angie was here for a little bit and then it was 90 something degrees, which was like 34 in, in Celsius. And um, then she went to her mom's and then Lori has, a, they have like a big kind of a pool in the backyard and I just stayed here. And they invited they invited me over, but I don't I don't go outside if it's ninety. That's not good <laughs> right. for me. Right. So my fourth, um, I binged a bunch of television and I enjoyed my hair conditioning for nice. America. It sounded like you said hair conditioning, and so oh. I, had this, I had this image of you with a like conditioner on your head, with a nice cool beverage inside by yourself so oh, i was pr i was practicing my object work for when i get back on stage with my hair conditioner <laughs> <laughs> well uh there's something else i want to discuss but first let's bring on okay. elise rodriguez uh Yay! hi 
Are we getting in the center of my little square here? Yeah. There I am. There you go. <laughs> uh, we have seen each other in person since yes! uh, the last Inside Improv. That's how long mm -hmm. it's actually been. So it was so great to have yep. you here. Um, it was so great for you to have me there, too. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone needs to know that um, I, I live in Portland. I'm surrounded by a lot of witchy people uh and woo woo people but the powers carried by elise rodriguez cannot be denied first off we picked her up in the big van uh Love it. yeah just to give her the 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 full treatment cool. and the microwave just started vibrating and coming out of its spot which has never happened before lights flickered uh like just that happens around me anywhere i go lights start to flicker things turn on it's just a thing i love it yeah yeah and elise i have tried to do the thing you were doing with stanley with my hands but there's no like i'm sure when you do it there's powers <laughs> shooting out of your hands like wandavision but when i do it he's just like not it doesn't what even notice doing? doesn't even notice <laughs> tried to steal your play style and he's not buying it so, uh, but before we bring on our wonderful guest, I do want to mention, because I am so excited about it, uh, that two people we had on here recently, uh, Wendy mm -hmm. Mateo and mm -hmm. Lorena Diaz-Dwyer, uh, they mm -hmm. have become artistic directors in Chicago at, it's Teatro... Teatro Vista. Vista, uh, and they are now co-artistic directors of that theater. And it's an equity theater. It's the equity theater that's like the home of uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's. Uh, did you, well, I talked to Lori. So uh, as Wendy <laughs> tells the story, so they go walking in on their first day and there's like people there kind of waiting to see what they want to do. And Lori walks in the room and she says, get everything out of here. <laughs> and I thought of Elise. I'm like, get everything out of here. What do you mean? Get everything out of here. And Wendy's like, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Just do, just do it. Everything, like off the walls, everything. Get it out. Wow. Yeah. And Amazing. It, yeah, Elise like, helped us do a little of that as well. With uh, She facilitated <laughs> some restructuring, and I've been throwing all of our things out, and it's going to be a I real fresh it. start at Curious. So. Thank you for that, Elise. Well, let's bring on our fantastic guest, uh, founder, editor of Improv's only magazine, as far as I know, Status Magazine, uh, Fenya Ortali. Hi, Fenya. Fenya! So, <laughs> 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 must acknowledge all your fans. Thank you. Thank you for such warm welcome. Oh, so excited mm -hmm. to see you, to chat with you. We met at uh, Bad Dog in Toronto a few years ago now. Um, and you are one of those people who uh, is from one place that's international, has lived other places. So where are you currently in the world? Right now, I'm in Madrid, Spain, and I've been living here for the past five years, and, and I like it. I love it. And and you were originally from, you're born and raised in? Argentina. And you were talking about Independence Day. We have today our Independence Day. It's 9th of July. 
our independence from, consequently, Spain. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Which you're celebrating by living in... It's payback, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's time for you to reap some rewards for that. So, uh, yes. fantastic. Thanks for being here. And, and let's start with congratulations on 10 years, Status Magazine. Uh, what, what, what sparked you to create an actual magazine for, for improvisers? Uh, the, the idea, let's start with the fact that I love writing. I love writing fiction and nonfiction. And uh, my, the first idea was to share all the information that I already had by traveling throughout Latin America. Uh, I was already traveling and visiting places and watching shows and meeting people. And I wanted uh, for more people to, to know that, to, to know what's cooking uh, somewhere else, uh, because I know that the fact of traveling is not available for everyone. So uh, every time I went back to Buenos Aires for after a festival or a, or a, a tour, I kept talking about what are the shows I've seen or the, the, the classes I uh, I took or the people I met and I I thought that it was a, a good idea to, to write about that and to also connect people and uh, mm. I always have a lot of ideas like this and very few are actually produced and this was the one that it got produced <laughs> it was like okay let's do it and I remember I was uh, chatting with Gonzalo Rodolico, from a wonderful improviser from, from Buenos Aires. And I said, you know what, let's do an interview right now. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's take advantage of this momentum. And uh, we did the interview, then I wrote two or three other articles and posted on Facebook, hey, there's a new magazine coming, who wants to have it? Just send an email. And the first week I had 100 emails saying, yes, I want a magazine. And it's been 10 years since that day. That's amazing. Was it always, was it online, print, both at its origins? But it was always, it was always a, a PDF file because of the impossibility of print it and, mm -hmm. and send it. Because if, if it was a local magazine, maybe if I would talk only about Buenos Aires, for instance, I would have printed but the fact of printing it and then send it abroad, it will make it expensive yeah. and it's not the idea. And actually the first six years of the magazine or seven that were only in Spanish, it was always for free. Uh, when we started uh, doing it in uh, different languages, we started uh, charging uh, for the a 10 euro a year subscription just to have something to uh, to work on or especially if we needed something that we needed to purchase like okay my computer broke down uh, <laughs> I could buy a new one <laughs> yeah very cheap one but we did it <laughs> very fair and and now it seems like it, you post frequently like and now we're in this language how many languages are you currently printing the magazine uh, right now it's in uh, six languages. We, we reached the peak of seven, the craziness of seven. No, eight, sorry, eight. Uh, 
but then we we after a year we closed the Russian version uh, because it was one a little complicated the editing <laughs> I don't do the translations improvisers that uh, help a lot do the translations but we didn't have many subscribers in the Russian version so it was hard to to keep it up um, so we had eight. Yeah. And now we are six because we just decided to also close the German version. Uh, because there's a lot of German improvisers, but they all read in English. So <laughs> we actually have yeah. the same people, but reading in English, the magazine. So uh, every time that, I, that somebody from the Impro universe asked me, hey, Fenya, would you like to translate the magazine in this language? I said yes. And then I realized that maybe we should research the market a little uh, <laughs> to see if it if it's worth it, all the, the work behind it for the translators and when we edit it, if it's worth it uh, to, to edit it in, in that language. If it was easy and free or we have the UN uh, sponsoring us, uh, I would print it in all the languages available, but it's hard. It's impressive, even doing it in six languages. It's mm -hmm. so awesome. What What's something that that surprised you now that you've been doing this for for ten years? Uh, what have, What What's been one of the biggest surprising lessons that you've learned from talking to so many wonderful improvisers from all over the world? The The thing that surprises me the most is that I always think that I will run out of people to interview uh, <laughs> and then of course I don't it's, you get to meet new people or you or you are recommended uh, or somebody recommends you someone or you just happens to see a, 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 a show or, or a class or a post or something like that that triggers your curiosity I'm a very curious person so <laughs> When I start to see someone's name a lot uh, around or I, I start to listen to the same name over and over, I immediately want to know more. Yeah. Uh, and I want to translate that into, okay, let's do, write an article, let's do an interview. Uh, and I, the, the best thing about this is that I get to learn a lot. Uh, every time I interview someone or every time I, I read an article written by someone else, or every time I had to do the, uh, certain research for the, for instance, the biographies that we write, it's instant, immediate uh, knowledge. That, uh, and, and what I like the most about it, besides the idea that I like to know things, uh, I don't like to learn things, <laughs> but I like to know things. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> but what I like is that <laughs> people would ask me uh, about other people or about shows or, hey, do you know someone in this place mm -hmm. or do you know someone that is working on this subject? And I love that. I love the idea of being uh, that pivot <laughs> in which everyone can, hey, if you don't know, talk to Fenya, ask him. He might know someone mm -hmm. that can help you. And I like being that person. I have a so question. It feels nice. Um, I have a question about. So you said that it was interesting. It's it's 
I, it piqued my interest when you said that you, when you hear people's names over and over again, um, that you'll, that'll pique your interest and you'll say, hey, maybe let's do an interview. How has that been different now that the world is online? Because I feel like before this pandemic and before we all went into the virtual world, how you hear someone's name is very different or how someone's name gets to people's ears around the world is very different than now. So um, what's what's mm -hmm. the, that been like since the pandemic started? I, I think it, yeah, like in, in, in all the other aspects of the pandemic, it, it got very global and, and I started to see more names less repeated but more names mm. and and a lot of people that i didn't know they even existed and that's great because like i said i was i had this fear of running out of in people to interview and now it's like wow there's a lot of people everywhere from places that uh, you didn't know they were doing improvisation or Mm -hmm. from places that I like the theater history or theater background behind it or the cultural aspects of it and that are pretty different from the people that we were interviewing. And and it, it, for me, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's, it's also a Pandora's box. Like, you open it and now, for better or worse, it's already open yeah. and all the spirits are <laughs> everywhere. Good and bad spirits. <laughs> Is that what the spirits sound like, John Tim? As John Tim yeah. tech. The bad spirits sound like that. <laughs> oh, I'm so so uh, what is what is the most uh surprising place that you've interviewed somebody from that you, you didn't expect there to be improv? Um I, well, it, it was like I, uh, five, yeah, five years ago or six, uh, someone, I think it was Omar Galvan, uh, recommended me, uh, I think it was, well, I don't remember who recommended me the Yadaman Tips from India. And I didn't know that there was uh, improv going on in India. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and connecting to what Elise said, now there's a lot of Indian improvisers all over the place. And it's great because they are taking classes, teaching, performing, uh, playing, mm -hmm. uh, we interviewing them. Uh, but at that time, I remember it was like, wow, yes, whatever you put this magnifying glass, you will find improvisers. They are everywhere. Yeah. And, and they're not only everywhere, but they're also very productive. If it, it doesn't matter if they're the only person in that place, they will make it happen. And, yeah. and in this uh, evolution uh, of improvisation, it's always the same. It's someone plants the seed and then they start uh, creating this group and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then eventually they split up because of artistic and personal differences. And they form two <laughs> different schools with two different <laughs> sets of students that they hate each other until they kill their parents in the Freudian way. They start connecting with each other. They get rid of the whole company system and we're free to improvise with whoever we want. 
And that's my favorite stage. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's amazing. That it's such a universal system. I mean, when I actually... Behavior, just, yeah. Yeah, I was... Um, when I first started improvising in Portland, there were two theaters. They, You were not allowed to cross over from one to the other. And I was like going through a divorce and big transformation in my life. And so I went back and lived with my sister for six months. And I was trying to decide at that time if I was going to move back to Portland, move to Chicago or move to New York. And New York at the time was at the same phase that Portland was, <laughs> even though it was a huge city. It was just UCB and Pitt had just broken off. And I was like, yeah, I was like, it may be a huge city, but it still felt like a very, you know, small, uh, young, green improv scene. And, and now, of course, you know, everything has grown so fast. And at Curious, you know, in every two to three years, someone will go away and they'll come back and they'll be like, I don't even recognize these faces because we're growing so fast. Even through the pandemic, we just had our in-person auditions and our first week of in-person classes. And we had students who had never improvised live come and they they were crushing it. It was way yeah. easier for them to make Lovely. that transition than I thought it would be. I thought it would be much more awkward. They were excited to yeah, move it's crazy. from their shoulders down. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, it's it's crazy for me that there's a lot of people that the first encounter with the improvisation is online or was online. That never happened before. So that's a, new, a unique way of approaching the craft. Uh, so I imagine what it feels like, what it would feel like to watch or do improv just online and then yeah. try it in the real world and then watch uh, uh, an actual improv theater uh, play. Uh, I think it would be like, and it's great, but because we will never leave that. Only no, this yeah. generation of future improvisers live this. I hope that nobody else lives this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also I think there's a lot of online improv here to stay with the international exchange that's yeah. been created. And even more so, I would be more willing now to take a, a class online after the summer um, because I'm not stuck on Zoom 24-7, right? So a, a Zoom right. improv mm -hmm. class won't be on top of eight hours of working mm -hmm. online. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see. I mean, when I started, it was like almost everybody started in short form. And I was one of the odd people who started with long form. And now lots of people start in short form or long form. And now it's like, well, some people mm -hmm. start online. And a lot of people told me that they wouldn't have had the courage to start in person. Uh, oh, wow. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a good point. Because it's one thing to be like, I hate this and click your Zoom off, which is very different than to be in a class and be like, I hate this mm -hmm. and have to walk out and collect yeah. your things. <laughs> be like, bye, you know, feel really disruptive. Uh, so for sure, I think we'll continue to have some, some intro classes online to help make it accessible to people who maybe have more stage fright. Um, Joe, I know you had some questions you wanted to ask about. Yeah, was, well, I mean, just to tag on to that, um, you know, like everywhere in the world, there's people that are way more introverted or that have social anxiety or just, you know, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they think, uh, I'm not an actor, I don't belong on the stage. Or a lot of times I coach people um, in the corporate world who had a terrible experience 
with either a high school or a university professor who just shut them out or shut out any desire to speak in public and they just think I'm not a I'm not a good public speaker. And even mm -hmm. traveling around the world, you find these people and I don't consider myself like a great beginning improv teacher because I don't have the natural joy that I think some do, but I love it when I teach an improv class and anybody can come and then there's that one person and it's their first class. Mm -hmm. And my first thought is like, oh shit, I am the wrong person for you to have as a teacher <laughs> for your first class. But okay, I treat yeah, people right. like actors. <clears throat> and um, and I think this this does this does have people who wouldn't be part of the mix before be introduced to people and get through just the social aspect of meeting people who are, you know, either renowned or just starting also online. And I guess um, my question for you, Fenya, would be like in, in the eight years before the pandemic, when you were interviewing people and asking them about their history or like what's going on in their life right now, or how are you finding improv? What are you working on? Um, what are the, is there any difference in the issues that people used to express before the pandemic versus the interviews that you're having now and how people are responding to what's going on with you now? Um, and those questions that you ask, are you finding, is there a, is there a shift in the mindset yeah. even of experienced improvisers and what is it? Yes, I think, I think, uh, the main thing that I identify is the questioning. We we were forced to question uh, everything uh, from the moment that do I like this? Do I have to? For instance, a lot of people say that uh, most of the people I interviewed said I struggled at the beginning with the pandemic uh, with doing improv online or teaching online. I didn't like it. I didn't want to. But eventually, I. I, I got to do it and now I feel comfortable with it. Most of them, if not every person I interviewed, explain the same. Uh, and also most of them, when when I asked about future projects, it's like, <laughs> future, what's that? Uh, so it's also, <laughs> okay, let, let's take step by step. But also the questioning of, I don't know, and this these are the, the moments uh, of this uh, rebirth moment, and like in the, mm. the plots that we that we use, uh, something happened, and this the perfect moment for you to think about what you're doing. Do you like what you're doing? Uh, are you enjoying what you're doing? And I think a lot of people had those moments, or are still having those moments, and realizing. Ah, Maybe uh, if I do this the same way, I would end up hating it. And so a lot of people say that, oh, maybe it's the perfect time to change something, to switch, to move, to to travel, to not travel, to go back to my the show, the job I had before, or or do something else. So I think I would I would love to since this question I would love to review and reread all the interviews and see if I find any other connections. But most of them say the same, of the, the adapting and the not planning ahead. I hope the next people I interview are already thinking with more specific plans on the next three months, what they want to do <laughs> or if they 
at least uh, this idea of be, seeing festivals that are starting to 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 announce uh, things that are already happening in person uh, improvisers are starting to travel and, and post photos hey look who I found after two years mm -hmm. it, it's beautiful because when when you travel all improvisers are usually nice people like a general rule uh, and especially because we meet for just a week uh, and <laughs> For a week, we are all beautiful people. <laughs> it's all fun and games. Yeah. And then you get back to your cast, yeah. to the cast that you're a part of, and you're like, oh, fuck, I have so much nicer friends. It's like your, your, your summer friends or your summer love. It's, it's so yeah. intense and it's so, so beautiful and so amazing. Because it's ah, it's everything there, and you are all in a different place, in a different situation, in a different normality. Yeah. When you get to talk and play and do improvisation all the time, uh, and meet people from different places, that's not normal. We started taking mm -hmm. it as normal because we do it, but that's not normal to to know people yeah. everywhere. I always <laughs> say it's like my plane has to land somewhere else, I, I'm sure I know someone. And if not, I would ask Peña and he will tell me who should I contact. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's to speak to what you were saying about that previously as well, like um, Lloyd Elquist, who's with MI Westside, he does the Epic Lloyd uh, YouTube channel, it's had billions of, of views. Uh, he travels when he's doing Epic Lloyd shows and, and has toured around the world. And he's talked about how over the years, the prevalence of improv theaters has become more visible. Like now when he travels, he'll see posters for improv shows pretty much everywhere mm. that he goes and how excited he gets to to actually see uh, that growth. And and like I was saying, and then it, what, like you were saying, once you start, it just it goes and goes and goes. And it's funny because that initial rivalry, I think, comes from like, well, we're the only ones doing it. And then all of a sudden, mm. oh, no, now there's a second person doing that. Is that going to threaten us doing that? And I always think about music venues like can you imagine if a music venue is like, oh, there's this other music venue. Yeah, don't go play music at this other. I mean, there's Portland has hundreds of music venues, mm. but we get this scarcity. There's mentality. another band. There's another band doing music. Yeah. <laughs> what? Exactly. Don't you can't talk to that band and you can't go play with that band. I mean, and then our music friends here, John's part of this whole community, they all play with each other the same way that we all should be playing with each other. Uh, mm -hmm. Every every person that we know who's in a band is in literally 10 different bands and they're all different combinations of the same people who just love each other and love creating and i think and something that happens like when we get too long in the improv scene and too long without a disruption in the improv scene is that everybody starts to get very uh either possessive or just like invested in a very specific thing and i've seen it happen like with house teams or with just like casts in general like now i'm possessive over this one show and i've been in this show for 10 weeks straight and why wasn't i in this one show this 11th week you know mm -hmm. and i think the pandemic has kind of like wiped that slate clean so we'll see now when we all start to get whiny and bitchy again <laughs> right, i mean i but, think it's um, a 
I think it's that thing where like to a degree, and especially I think in your first even 20 years of improvising, to a degree you measure your worth by the successes that you have. And if you have successes mm-hmm. in improvisation and with a certain group of people, then to some degree, your own self-esteem and your own sense of worth is invested in this group. So when this group goes away, yeah. it's like you literally lose a part of yourself and you literally mm-hmm. don't have evidence every Friday night or whatever night it is that, hey, I'm okay. And I think this is something that's, again, it's all over the world and it doesn't matter where we're from. And the upside of that- Well, and we'll do a TV show. Yeah, we'll do a commercial. It's there forever. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is improv. It is. It goes away. It is. And I think I think it is something that that I was very naive about when I started is like you're looking for that perfect combination when you find it you think it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm I'm pretty jaded, you know, in relationships, although I'm in a lovely relationship now, John Tim. I love you. But there was a point with like I was getting older enough. My my grandparents were together sixty eight years. My parents were together fifty five years, and they're and so you know there was that romantic notion that you're going to find that person and have that long thing. And then as you get older and don't have that, you start to go well. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna live another fifty years, so I'm not gonna have that. And then I was like, you know, it's actually okay to have a succession of relationships. I think, especially when you're an artist or somebody who transforms your life a lot, that yeah. that you might end up with a succession of beautiful relationships that serve both people for a period of time until you evolve, and and then that relationship needs to change and evolve. And I think it's the same thing with bands and it's the same thing with improv teams and even maybe a relationship with a theater yay and once (laughs) and once improvisers get to that point like once we get that confidence and i i mean for me it it even happened in the last 10 year of touring when you meet other people that have that confidence and know that kind of like fenya was saying oh for one week we all fall in love we're all at a festival. Hey, Fania, what's going on? Hey, Nadine from Germany. Hey, Lee from Canada. We all just can walk on stage and celebrate each other. And Monica, yeah. Yes, we're uh, nice for a week. <laughs> we don't, like, we're not so clingy to it. We're not so desperately clinging to each other, but we're just in service to each other. And like, how can I, how mm-hmm. can I light you up? How can I make you laugh? What show are you doing? Let me go see that show. Like, I'm much yeah. more eager to watch shows at festivals that I am to go watch shows in Chicago, because in some ways, even with eight different theaters here, it's going to be the same shit here. But if I can, you know, I, I saw, uh, we were both in Amsterdam and Fenya had this, like these crazy costumes and everything. And it's just like, what are you doing? And it's just like, <laughs> you're standing in the back of the room watching these guys do this, this beautiful show. And it's just like, you're in a, like you're in a dream and you can't see that in Chicago. And that's what I love. Yeah, I think at a festival, you have the same intention, right? We're all going to come together for the set period of time, and then we're going to go our, our separate ways. And, you know, we see this a lot with our our training center. You know, people want to stick together as they go through the training center. We tried to fight that for a while, and then just because we wanted people to get comfortable playing with multiple people, and then we just decided... It, why are we fighting this wave? It's it's it helps people right eliminate some of that hating of learning that Fenya maybe you 
<laughs> like at least at least one thing's consistent. They they built some trust with each other, yeah. and they they don't have to every class yeah. reestablish that. So like, okay, we'll let that go, and then they get out of the training center, and we have a conservatory team. We used to go to a house team, which seemed more long term than the conservatory team is short term, because once they're out of class, you start to see the people who are I'm going to do this every day of my life. It's all I want to think about. It's everything I want to do, and then yeah. half the people are like this is the thing I do once a week, twice a week if we have a show. Uh, and and the development starts to get um, uneven. So mm -hmm. we try to keep it, you know, we get conflicting priorities. But the flip side of that was like, oh, the groups that formed over the pandemic were so attached in a way. And they knew when the pandemic was over, they were... That, that everything was going to change. But at our auditions, we had people who had met for the first time in person. Amazing. And everybody was crying at like a, a beautiful crying of like, thank you for being my, I'm going to cry now, just <laughs> just being my, <laughs> my, oh, we made Joe cry. Surprise. <laughs> not yet. I'm not crying for once. <laughs> I'm not crying. <laughs> this, our secret is uh, we only are here to cry. Yeah, <laughs> who can make everybody cry? Okay. But but they just buoyed each other up through that period of time. Uh, but I don't think anyone expected that they would stay online as an ensemble mm -hmm. forever, you know? So anyway, I don't know. I was just going on about connection and, and evolution. And it is. Festivals are just so free. You're that, like... That's something... It was something that surprised me the 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 attachment and the connection in the online groups that i that i've been teaching it's the same as in person they don't get to hug they don't get to climb over each other uh but the 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 connection is amazing and the, i know that they are still in touch and they they want to and i think there's this uh crazy uh pledge that we are going to meet in person somewhere in the world uh, because in this uh, uh, one other amazing thing about online teaching and performing is that you get to have people from all over uh, playing together and most likely they won't meet ever uh, but Nobody will Jeez, take right away now? that. Uh, <laughs> just, just get over oh, it. That, like, yes. It's not going to happen. I thought I was the jaded one. I'm realistic. <laughs> no, I'm realistic. Uh, I, most I, love I, each other, you but know most me, likely Joe it's not going to fucking uh, happen. I'm, I don't like... Improv has too much rainbows and sugar candy and unicorns. <laughs> too much of it. <laughs> Too much. I love it. That's why we are nice for a week. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've we've made some changes um, that we've been announcing over the past week and how we manage our house teams. And I'm really excited about where we landed. And I think it's going to be a healthier community overall. But there's also a lot of letting go that has to happen. And there were some, some pain points. And I've been finding myself saying over and over again, you know, a healthy and a happy community isn't happy and shiny all the time part of making a healthy happy community is actually being willing to have these conversations um about things that are sometimes painful to to let go yeah. and to grow out of uh and and to accept the changes uh it, it's it's hard it's 
if you're always just unicorns and clouds, I don't know that it's a genuine, authentic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. I mean, once you once you're close enough to each other where you can you know what's going on in between the ears because we're all a little bit crazy. We're all a little bit tortured. We're all a little bit dark. Then you can give each other shit because sometimes if somebody's in the darkness, the way to lift them out is to meet them in the darkness and then rise up. Hmm. But if you start blowing rainbows at darkness, <laughs> darkness is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. So Elise dropped a marker on my brand new carpet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a love story. (laughs) And the thing is, I could never be more upset about it than she. Yeah, I could never be more upset about it than she was. So all I've been doing is just giving her shit about it nonstop (laughs) because. Oh, look at our release. (laughs) Because when she told me it was fine, I was even more horrified. (laughs) I'm like, it is not fine. Like, it is a permanent marker on a really nice fucking rug. (laughs) But also, why did you give me a permanent marker while I'm standing on your rug? (laughs) Oh, wait, this is new. This blaming it on me. This is a new turnaround. This has occurred to me just now. I'm just thinking that I'm standing here like we were writing on a big post-its on top of the rug. It's because I got to live my life. You know, we all got to live our life. We can't let our lives be ruled by a carpet. That's all, you know. Thank you. I'm not going to sleep again tonight. And now you've officially become a duo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Fenya, um, Let's talk about the kind of work you do that Joe was alluding to. Uh, Can you explain to us and for people who don't know what Joe's talking about when he says you do big productions of costumes and and all kinds of spectacular things? What's it look like to see a show that you've produced? I I imagine he's talking about El Capricho del Rey uh, or King's Whim (laughs) would be the translation. it's a it's a duo show I I have with Diego Ingol, an amazing physical improviser, and so basically I'm the playwright of the court for the king, and he's the jester, he's the buffoon, and uh, we have thirty minutes to create a play for the king, and if we don't succeed on writing it, we are killed, we are executed. So that's the premise <laughs> of the show. And it's uh, it's 30 minutes with a sand clock, so it's 30 minutes, no more, no less. Uh, and it's it's for me, it's, it's really fun because when we decided we wanted to do this show together, it's because we wanted to play with our strengths. Uh, I love the idea of again getting to know how to do a thousand things, but I also like to specialize and and I know that I like to write stories. I told you at the beginning. I like writing stories, and I like the dramaturgy behind the, the, the stories that we improvise. Uh, and Diego is an, has an amazing physicality that I don't have. So basically, let's do this, mm-hmm. and I'm the only one talking. He just rah, 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 rah. He talked like this, so it's everything physical for him, and it's uh, I love how we communicate. And the bonus in Amsterdam was the first time, the only time we did it in English, 
I did it in English, Diego did it in the same language that he uses. <laughs> uh, but the great part, the greatest part is that he understands English, but not everything. So uh, there were times mm. in which he asked me in Spanish, what was I saying? So that was an, an extra layer that it was so beautiful and fun to play. Um, and the costumes are basically, we are dressed as the playwright and the buffoon from a medieval court. Uh, so wow. it's another thing that we, we said from the beginning was we want to have costume. We hired someone to, to do the costume. We want to have props. We want to have a, a stage design. We want to have a light uh, design too. Uh, so we invested all the efforts that, uh, that we could in making it also look nice so look the way we wanted to look uh, we could do the show dressed in black and it would also work but it works better when we look this way uh, yeah. and for me it's like everything has to be a decision we can be dressed in black in a black stage and if it's your choice great if that's the only way you knew that you could improvise that's not that great uh, so I'm, I'm all for the choices that, and these choices are only available to you if you open, if you travel, if you watch, if you consume culture in general, if you live in general, uh, and then if you translate those things into what you want to, to stage, uh, because for me, it's not only the message that's for me is very important, but also how is the best, what's the best way I can find to uh, code this message for you to decode it? I don't like to be straight. I don't like to be this, this is all you, all there is. I want the audience to fill in the blanks. I want the audience to have different ideas. Uh, I want mm -hmm. the audience to question. I want them to say, what? Maybe they meant something by using all the costumes in gray and, and black. Well, they might mean something. And maybe we didn't, uh, but they never know. So I like this idea of, of showing something that represents me, and in this case also Diego. Joe, what was your impression the first time you started yeah. talking about it? I mean, it was the it was the only the only time I had seen them do that show. But and I'm a person that likes a stripped down stage, very simple, you know. And maybe you know, most of my duo partners. I think you're like this too, Stacy. We show up and we just happen to match, and that's why we're duo partners. Right. right. <laughs> that happens um, often. I feel like that happens so often. It's cr like, I do I'll that. I'll show up with, at a show, and I'm like. Why are we wearing the same thing? Yeah, we'll always be like, oh, yeah. it's all blue day. Like even with the larger ensembles yeah. for showdown shows and stuff. But yeah. But yeah. And, and I don't even consider my, you know this, Stacey, like I'm not a person where visual impression moves me that much. But for some reason, this show, and it was in, you know, it was like in the little side theater. That's the other thing I love about festivals. You might have like a big theater, a medium theater, a side theater, yeah. but none of us care. It's like what, wherever it is, that's our place. And, and these mm -hmm. guys were so, the, the costuming was so impactful that I, I couldn't deny it. And it's like, and I, you know, it's, uh, I mean, Fenya and I, we are similar and we are different. And, uh, 
but he has this he has this flair about him and i think we're both more verbal so it's almost like um it was almost like me and felipe uh fenya is a little bit more verbal he's more clever he's got you know brain stuff going on and then uh is it diego yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah just the you can there's like a there's an electricity between the two of them that the costumes and the sets and the choices of the production for me it framed it in a way that if they would have done what i normally like to see which is strip everything down it would have not had the same impact so i like the yeah. flair and i give i give fenya shit for being argentinian it's like oh mr fancy it's just jealousy <laughs> <laughs> but it's but that the the costuming the stage the lights it captures it's the perfect frame for this energy and you just go ah it's it's perfect fenya mm -hmm. so nothing but admiration and and uh yeah and i love the show it was it was very fun thank you uh one thing that i, I like is this uh, electricity that the joe says is uh <laughs> what i like is that they have these layers because we are actually uh talking to each other or communicating with each other to create something to improvise so we are characters that have to create a story so with very different energies and with very different uh, um, energies in general. Because for instance, uh, Diego plays the, the buffoon and he doesn't care if he lives or dies. He's beyond that. So my <laughs> head is in stake. He doesn't yeah. care. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's like, what? <laughs> I had to explain him what might happen to him. Uh, so, I, I get to build and he gets to destroy. And that's amazing because he keeps uh, challenging me to, I uh, know, he's right. This is not working this way. By destroying it from his character, it's given me feedback for the story I'm writing. Uh, and he also creates without words and gives me ideas for, okay, where does this story uh, go where can it go? Uh, so I love how we communicate and and that we like uh, to play our part and to challenge the other to be the best in their part too. I really this is making me geek out about something in particular. I'm having like a a moment where I'm like this is what I feel like I would want students to know. What do you see as the difference between that kind of like lovely Diego destroying what you're creating the difference between that and a denial, for example, right? Like how is that different in a positive way than a denial that we tell students don't, don't say no, right? Like don't, don't reject the reality of somebody of what somebody just mm. created. But here it's actually, you're saying that they're destroying he's destroying what you're creating and it's beautiful. So t can you talk about that? Like what, how you would define that difference? Yeah. Uh, yes. First, that is that all rules that we teach, uh, then when we grow up, we can yeah, avoid them and right. use them at our favor. Uh, mm -hmm. But especially is the idea that if, if, if Diego is making this choice of making fun of my choice, He's right. I know <laughs> that I, I have a better idea. And if I trust 
if I trust my original idea, I will tell them to shut up, keep doing your monkey things, and I will keep writing. So we have this opportunity of no, of denying each other on stage uh, because we know, we both know what's the best way or think we know we trust what's the each best other. way. Uh, but of course, it's very tricky. And mm -hmm. exactly. So it's basically we trust each other. And again, we trust our craft. And we trust, I would trust any physical decision that Diego makes and he would trust any dramaturgic decision I would make. And, and this is a very dangerous tool. Uh, and you have to know how to use it and, and with whom to use it. Uh, and, and if Claire, somebody else says that to me on stage, I will probably hit them and leave <laughs> the theater. <laughs> oh, Fenya, I just love you more and more every time we spend time together. But just to be clear, he never undermines the reality of this premise that mm -hmm. you are these characters who have to write this thing for the king. He's just mm -hmm. t tearing down your character's attempt at creating right. a specific story. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. For the last show we played, he uh, he usually does this, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just stays like this, just lifting his leg like this, and mm-hmm, what else? Oh, <laughs> boring. <laughs> I love it. What's it? And I, I, I'm curious because I relate a lot to the things you're saying about how you you play, you know, as somebody who's a writer and obviously Ruby Rocket speaks to my mm -hmm. tendency mm -hmm. to wanting to write a story and be the writer. And when I first started, I would get very frustrated um, that other people were not like the story is very obvious. I don't know why they see it and they ruined it. <laughs> and I get super pissed off. And the best learning tool for me was Open Court, which was a show in Chicago at uh, at the playground. Each team, house team at the playground had to host a community show. Open Court is just open for anybody to get up and play, random long form teams. And when we moved uh, to to Portland and Open Curious, we started with Open Court. And it's been, it ran through the pandemic, been our longest running show. And I, I'm like, no matter how much money I spent in Chicago, I think the best lesson I got was at Open Court, where I had to accept anything anybody gave me. And I could walk on and be like, honey, I'm home. And somebody could respond that they were Captain Kirk and we were, you know, in outer space. And I had to make that work. And then that became Make addictive. home outer space. It became my favorite yeah. thing is to how do I yes the fuck out of no matter what anybody says or does, which is why I love Ruby Rocket. And I think I said this probably to each of you at some point, like the hardest thing for me in Ruby Rocket is when somebody tries to solve it for me, uh, they start to panic that I might not be able to pull this all together. They don't know that I've been putting the pieces together as we yeah. go. We're five minutes away from the end when I'm gonna tie it all together. <laughs> and suddenly they step out and they destroy everything I <laughs> intended. <laughs> and I have to rewrite the entire show. Yeah, <laughs> and then I have to hit them and leave the theater. <laughs> That's the only way out. You but know, I'm like, a, I got to scramble and make it make it work. I, I think there's also a thing uh, between Fenya and Diego that people have observed with us, Stacy, and that is there's a natural 
Stacy and I duo and people have said it looks like you two are dancing because we naturally have an intuition about us where there's always a momentum of a dance that I think only on a subconscious level we're aware of. Right. And this is what yeah. I also saw with you and Diego. There's his denial or his giving you shit. It doesn't stop the dance. The dance will always continue. And I think it's... um. It reminds me of Jules Munns in London said, uh, duo improv is like a theatrical celebration of friendship. And so it's that intuitive, that thing that makes you friends, that makes you care about each other, that makes you love being on stage together, that, that is the dance that nothing can destroy. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to add that. And just to tie it back to what we were saying earlier. Yeah, for, about, me, for me, it was oh, very... Go ahead, Fenya. No, no. So for me, it was like the, the moment we decided to to work together. We already worked together in other projects, but it was like uh, this has. If I choose someone to be my duo partner for a project and not for just okay, let's play together for a few nights, so a few mm -hmm. rounds. Is let's create this project and invest everything our time in this. Is someone I respect and and love personally. They are respect professionally. And that dazzles me. I, I love watching him on stage. Sometimes I found myself just with the feather pen in my hand, just watching and, and trying not to laugh uh, because he's so stupid that he surprises me. Mm. And that's hard when you're um, in this business for too long. He keeps surprising Yeah, me. and working and, together. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I was just going to say that. It's I love tight. you, Diego. I love you. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll have to talk to him too next time. Uh, that tying back to music, uh, In the Shadows of Motown is a documentary of the band that played behind all of the Motown stars. So they would be different. There'd be Diana Ross mm -hmm. or there'd be uh, Smokey Robinson and they'd be the stars. But the same band played all the music and they talk in that documentary like an improv ensemble and they show wow. up and they play together and i've just been listening to slater kenny which is a uh you know riot girl band that came out of the 90s that carrie brownstein from portlandia is part of and you know that was my portland early portland days love that band and they have this uh program on audible where they're talking about slater kenny and the origins of the band and they're both in other bands and the bands toured together and they describe the same chemistry with each other where they just they from the moment they met they just both were like there's something about this person and then they and they had the same rivalries so they started playing together and both their <laughs> bands were pissed that the two of them oh <laughs> started playing together <laughs> And part of it is probably because they were threatened, right, by seeing that magical mm -hmm. chemistry. And they knew that mm. there was something special that we all crave. And the first time I met Lloyd Alquist, I could describe it that same way. I think it was in Miami at a, a jam, and it was just chaos. Mm. It was just a, a jam that turned into utter and complete chaos. And we just had this moment where we made eye contact with each other. And we're like, I know you. I just know you, mm. I know your heart, I know what you're thinking, I know that you know what I'm thinking. Like, there's just some deep kindred soul underneath it all. I, that feeling is the feeling I chase every day in improv. 
I love it. Well, unicorns. Yeah, <laughs> unicorns and rainbows, <laughs> and slapping each other across the face. Well, so uh, let's before we go, Fenya. Uh, where can people get copies of Status if they don't already know how? Where do they go? The easiest way is to search Status Improv because like you said, there are no other improv magazines in the world, or not as long. Uh, statusrevista.com, that would be the address where you can subscribe and in any of the languages. And if not, Status Improv on Google, Facebook, on Instagram, you will find it. Great. Anything special you're doing for your 10th anniversary that we should keep your eyes out, our eyes out for, or any shows you've got coming up that we should be looking for? We are we are posting every day uh, some videos from the people that were on the cover of Status. Uh, Stacy, I know I'll get you one. I need your video. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind. I didn't mind. Oh, I'll do mine right after that. Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm showered uh, today and everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> and and we're going to try and organize uh, some talks with uh, improvising from all over the world. I want to organize also a talk with the translators because they are all improvisers and oh, nice. yeah. how they work is amazing. And also whenever you translate something, it's a 10% or 5% yours because you get to reinterpret the, the meaning of things. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think they're doing an amazing work for other communities to to get to know each other because uh, if you only know your language yeah, it's very hard to to connect with other people that also yeah. only know their languages so i think they're doing a great job so i want people to to connect with them and to recognize their work Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I hope you come to Portland soon when the world opens up because you are somebody that from the day I met you, I was like, I want to play with that person someday, Fenya. So <laughs> hopefully you'll play with me. And uh, thank I you, me too. <laughs> me too. And, I, and I, won't, I won't resolve the mystery of Movie Rocket. <laughs> well, if you do, I'll just have to handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Slap you and walk out. We'll know. We'll know what that what happened no, no, um, i want to do a show that ends like that yeah <laughs> you know all my stand-up friends lately are fascinated with the idea of ending their stand-up show without a big closer and just going bye and leaving i think everyone's tired of this the same old magnificent ending it's old <laughs> screw a big finish yeah let's just leave at a, at a lull yeah <laughs> Exactly. Let low low point. Let the audience go. John. Them, all so. right. And the end the live. End the live now. All right. All right. Kidding. Thank you all so much. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Elise. Thank you, Fenya. Yeah, we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank Thanks you for, for watching. Tofama M.